Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to TLS Voices. I'm Alan Jenkins. August for the people and their favourite islands, wrote W. H. Auden in 1935 in To a Writer on His Birthday. The writer was Christopher Isherwood, and the poem recalls a holiday the two friends had spent some years before on the Isle of Wight, a summer destination favoured by Queen Victoria herself. The poem continues. Daily the steamers sidle up to meet the effusive welcome of the pier, and soon the luxuriant life of the steep stone valleys, the sallow oval faces of the city, begot in passion or good-natured habit, are caught by waiting coaches, or laid bare beside the undiscriminating sea. Lulled by the light, they live their dreams of freedom. As the poem later admits, Auden and Isherwood belonged to the privileged few, without much direct experience of the people for whom a summer holiday had only become a possibility in the later years of Victoria's reign. But Auden also wrote one of the most beautiful of all poems about summer on the English coast, seen here as if for the first time, and eternally fresh. This is Look Stranger, again from 1935. Look, stranger, at this island now, the leaping light for your delight discovers. Stand stable here, and silent be, that through the channels of the ear may wander like a river the swaying sound of the sea. Here at the small field's ending pause, where the chalk wall falls to the foam, and its tall ledges oppose the pluck and knock of the tide, and the shingle scrambles after the sucking surf, and the gull lodges a moment on its sheer side. Far off like floating seeds, the ships diverge on urgent voluntary errands, and the full view indeed may enter and move in memory as now these clouds do that pass the harbour mirror and all the summer through the water saunter. It was the growth of the railways and the development of seaside resorts once fashionable with royals and aristocrats that had allowed the many to share the pleasures of sea air and salt water for one or two weeks a year. Departure Platform, by Auden's friend and contemporary Louis McNeese, and first published in the TLS in 1938, captures the excitement of getting away as well as the uncertainties of the time. Love, my love, it is high time to travel. The brass bell clangs escape, and summer in a porter's cap will punch our tickets and launch us where the shining lines unravel. 
We have been there before, though never seen it. The land that was always ours, whose stones are our bones, whose rivers our bloods kindred. We have never toured that country, only been it. The distance opens like a mouth to meet us, wantonly tongue to tongue, consummating our dreams by night, defeating the daily thoughts which day by day defeat us. Divined but never known, the evasive universal, but fumbling after the scent dissolved in the running water of time, we fool our fancy to catch intact what is always in dispersal. Upon which quest, in company with many, we hoard our hopes a year to blow in a fortnight, a dandelion puffball telling the past time and the spent penny. So pack like the others. Be sure you look your best for this year's unlikely chance. Whether it is France or Wales or the Canary Islands, the place, who knows, is a person to be well dressed for. Unlikely, and were that so, I should be jealous, unless that god of the place could fuse his person with mine for your enjoyment, which nobody knows, or, if they knew, would tell us. But on the off-chance pack, your summer frocks and sandals, and a pair of gloves for towns, and one small bottle of scent, Chanel or Coty, and your jazz earrings twisted like Christmas candles. It leaves at 3.15 with lifting pistons, the zero hour. Opposite, in corner seats, we hope for nearness and dearness in what is wrongly called the distance. Uncertainties soon became the certainty of war. John Betjeman, in Margate, 1940, makes the English seaside the repository of everything worth defending. From out the Queen's high cliff for weeks at a stretch, I watched how the mower evaded the vetch, so that over the putting course rashes were seen of pink and of yellow among the burnt green. How restful to putt when the strains of a band announced a Té Dansant was on at the grand, while over the privet, comminglingly clear, I heard lesser co-optimists down by the pier. How lightly municipal, meltingly tarred, were the walks through the lawns by the Queen's promenade, as soft over Cliftonville languished the light down Harold Road, Norfolk Road, into the night. Oh, then what a pleasure to see the ground floor, with tables for two laid as tables for four, and bottles of sauce and key aura and squash awaiting their owners who'd gone up to wash, who had gone up to wash the ozone from their skins, the sand from their legs, and the rock from their chins, to prepare for an evening of dancing and cards, and forget the sea breeze on the dry promenades. From third floor and fourth floor the children looked down upon ribbons of light in the salt-scented town, and drowning the trams roared the sound of the sea as it washed in the shingle the scraps of their tea. Beside the Queen's high cliff now rank grows the vetch, now dark is the terrace, a storm-battered stretch, and I think, as the fairy-lit sights I recall, it is those we are fighting for, foremost of all. Once it had taken off, the English summer holiday by the sea was successfully exported to Europe and the USA, but American poets have left us with ambivalent responses to its seductions. In the first part of his poem sequence, Voyages, Hart Crane makes an apparently innocent seaside scene the occasion for a warning about the dangers that lie beyond innocence in the sea of adult life and loves. Above the fresh ruffles of the surf, bright striped urchins flay each other with sand. 
They have contrived a conquest for shell shucks, and their fingers crumble fragments of baked weed, gaily digging and scattering. And in answer to their treble interjections, the sun beats lightning on the waves, the waves fold thunder on the sand. And could they hear me, I would tell them, Oh, brilliant kids, frisk with your dog, fondle your shells and sticks, bleached by time and the elements. But there is a line you must not cross, nor ever trust beyond it, spry cordage of your bodies, to caresses too like and faithful from too wide a breast. The bottom of the sea is cruel. And Robert Frost, in Neither Out Far Nor In Deep, presents a haunting picture of the people who, mesmerised by an element that is not theirs, seem stranded in ambiguities and ignorance. The people along the sand all turn and look one way. They turn their back on the land. They look at the sea all day. As long as it takes to pass, a ship keeps raising its hull. The wetter ground, like glass, reflects a standing gull. The land may vary more, but wherever the truth may be, the water comes ashore and the people look at the sea. They cannot look out far. They cannot look in deep. But when was that ever a bar to any watch they keep? Thirty years later, Tom Gunn, who was born and educated in England but left it behind in the 1950s for the freedoms of life in California, captured a moment in the hippie West Coast dream of throwing off constraint and achieving a natural state of grace. 3. All three are bare. The father towels himself by two grey boulders, long body then long hair, matted like rainy bracken to his shoulders. The pull and risk of the Pacific's touch is yet with him. He kicked and felt it brisk, its cold live sinews tugging at each limb. It haunts him still. Drying his loins, he grins to notice how, struck helpless with the chill, his cock hangs tiny and withdrawn there now. Near, eyes half closed, the mother lies back on the hot round stones, her weight to theirs opposed, and pressing them as if they were earth's bones. Hard bone, firm skin, she holds her breasts and belly up, now dry, striped white where clothes have been, to the heat that sponsors all heat from the sky. Only their sun is brown all over, wrapped in endless play, in which all games make one. His three-year nakedness is every day, swims as dogs swim, rushes his father, wriggles from his hold. His body, which is him, sturdy and volatile, runs off the cold, runs up to me. Hi there, hi there, he shrills, yet will not stop, for though continually accepting everything his play turns up, he still leaves it and comes back to that pebble-warmed recess in which the parents sit at watch who had to learn their nakedness. The culture of sun, sea, sand and surf translated easily to an Australia also beginning to discover the possibilities of hedonism. But the Australian poet Les Murray's home beaches hold as much pain as pleasure, and there is a kind of horror in being unclothed. On home beaches. Back in my fifties, fatter than I was then, I step on the sand, belch down slight horror to walk a wincing pit edge, waiting for the pistol-shot laughter. 
Long greening waves cache themselves, foam change sliding into ocean's pocket. She turns, ridicule looks down, strappy with faces averted, or is glare and families. The great hawk of the beach is outstretched, point to point, quivering and hunting. Cars are the stuff at its back. You peer at this age, but it's still there, ridicule, the pistol that kills women, that gets them killed, crippling men on the towel-spattered sand. Equality is dressed neatly, with mouth still shut. Bared body is not equal, ever. Some are smiled to each other. Many surf, swim, play ball. Like that red boy, holding his wet T-shirt off his breasts. Now, fifty years after cheap air travel changed everyone's lives, Sydney is as popular a holiday destination as Southwold, while the people's favourite islands are probably Majorca and Mykonos. The annual escape to the English seaside is becoming a folk memory, or a pleasure that has to be taken with a certain amount of postmodern irony. Betjeman, once again, cherishes the experience, discomforts and all. From Beside the Seaside Green shutters, shut your shutters. Windy ridge, let winds unnoticed whistle round your hill. High dormers, draw your curtains. Slam the door and pack the family in the Morris 8. Lock up the garage. Put her in reverse, back out with care. Now forward, off, away. The richer people living farther out overtake us in their rovers. We, in turn, pass poorer families hurrying on foot towards the station. Very soon the town will echo to the groan of empty trams and sweet shops advertise ice cream in vain. Solihull, Headingley and Golders Green, Preston and Swindon, Manchester and Leeds, Braintree and Bocking, hear the sea, the sea. The smack of breakers upon windy rocks, spray blowing backwards from their curling walls of green translucent water. England leaves her centre for her tideline. Father's toes, though now encased in coloured socks and shoes, and pressing the accelerator hard, ache for the feel of sand and little shrimps to tickle in between them. Mother vows to be more patient with the family. Just for its sake she will be young again. And at that moment Jennifer is sick. Overexcitement must have brought it on, the hurried breakfast and the early start. And Michael's rather pale, and as for Anne, please stop a moment, Hubert, anywhere. So evening sunlight shows us Sandy Cove, the same as last year and the year before. Still on the terrace of the big hotel, pale pink hydrangeas turn a rusty brown where sea winds catch them and yet do not die. The bumpy lane between the tamarisks, the escalonia hedge, and still it's there, our lodging house, ten minutes from the shore. Still unprepared to make a picnic lunch except by notice on the previous day. Still nowhere for the children when it's wet, except that smelly, overcrowded lounge, and still no garage for the motor car. Still on the bedroom wall, the list of rules. Don't waste the water, it is pumped by hand. Don't throw old blades into the WC. Don't keep the bathroom long and don't be late for meals and don't hang swimsuits out on sills. A line has been provided at the back. Don't empty children's sand shoes in the hall. Don't this, don't that. Ah, still the same, the same as it was last year and the year before, but rather more expensive now, of course. 
And finally, Philip Larkin brings into sharp relief the joys and embarrassments, the unchanging realities of a seaside holiday for both young and old in his To the Sea. To step over the low wall that divides road from concrete walk above the shore brings sharply back something known long before, the miniature gaiety of seasides. Everything crowds under the low horizon, steep beach, blue water, towels, red bathing caps, the small hushed waves repeated fresh collapse up the warm yellow sand, and further off a white steamer stuck in the afternoon. Still going on, all of it still going on, to lie, eat, sleep in hearing of the surf, ears to transistors that sound tame enough under the sky, or gently up and down lead the uncertain children, frilled in white and grasping at enormous air, or wheel the rigid old along for them to feel a final summer, plainly still occurs as half an annual pleasure, half a right, as when, happy at being on my own, I search the sand for famous cricketers, or farther back, my parents, listeners to the same seaside quack, first became known. Strange to it now, I watch the cloudless scene, the same clear water over smoothed pebbles, the distant bathers' weak protesting trebles down at its edge, and then the cheap cigars, the chocolate papers, tea leaves, and between the rocks, the rusting soup tins till the first few families start the trek back to the cars. The white steamer has gone. Like breathed-on glass, the sunlight has turned milky. If the worst of flawless weather is our falling short, it may be that through habit these do best, coming to water clumsily undressed yearly, teaching their children by a sort of clowning, helping the old, too, as they ought. This week's TLS features a review by Sean O'Brien of the first volume of a new biography of T.S. Eliot, while elsewhere in the issue we have an essay, previously unpublished in English, by Eliot himself. We make inquiries into the devastating rejections experienced by Virginia Woolf and consider the work of Mary Butts, a contemporary of Woolf's, whose own life unfurled at the centre of trans-channel modernism. We run through the virile pursuits of Llewellyn Powys, and trace American psychiatry to its very beginnings. This and much more in the August 14th issue of the TLS. To find out more about the TLS and to read a free selection of pieces from this week's issue, go to our website, the-tls.co.uk. You can read the TLS in full every week, in print or via our app, which is available on iTunes and in the Amazon App Store. The TLS. Life in every word. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.